1: So I was in the shower, oh, I was cleaning yeah. my ass and making all the
2: shirts all sparkly. Thank you, cleaning. I'm not the funny one, I'm the pretty one. Cock shots. <laughs> <laughs> I just checked myself Beatles, out. Beatles, music, wine. Like, and then move up The
1: get glory hole is like a, a like dick theater. A magic around Which means
2: your pants had better come off. Mama needs to playtime. Gonna...
1: Uh, uh, we're not sluts. We just
2: love love. Hello, podcast listeners. Welcome back to another week here at By the By. You've got Angela.
1: And Bradford. Hello, everybody.
2: I told you he'd be back this week. I'm back. Woohoo! Yeah. It's not just me.
1: Sorry for last week. We ended up, I had to travel for work and was completely, uh, we weren't, we didn't plan very well, apparently.
2: Yeah, we had a lot going on, so, you know.
1: Yeah. Life and shit.
2: Yeah. We were at the club. Oh, yeah. We were doing the things and the stuff and getting yeah. our sexy on. Yeah. Yeah,
1: And then I got in an airplane and (laughs) I was leaving on a jet plane.
2: And no sexy on there.
1: No time to podcast again. (laughs) But here we are. We're back.
2: Yes. And actually, speaking of jet plane, we're leaving tomorrow.
1: On a jet plane.
2: We're going to go down to Melbourne, which is exciting because I have not been down there in like, I don't know, two years. It's been a very long time.
1: Same for me. And I'm very excited to go down there and just kind of, I'm taking some time off to chillax and watch the world go by.
2: Yeah, we're going to hopefully see if we can hit up a sauna, swingers night, something. But, you know, we'll let you know if that works out or if it doesn't.
1: We'll see. Fingers crossed. Yes. Fingers crossed.
2: Yes. Always fingers crossed.
1: Yeah. yeah. So um, coming up, we've got in May, May 27th is our next delicious party.
2: Yes, I cannot wait. Things are really, really picking up at the club. Everybody's getting out again, and it's so lovely. So many sexy people, so many fun things going on. It's true. We've seen the dungeon room downstairs used a bit more, which is really exciting. I like seeing that. Very nice. Yeah.
1: The last time we had a pendulum, uh, I was on my back starfishing the entire time. It was great. (laughs) Letting people like, hello, sit on my face. Okay, goodbye. (laughs) Hello, sit on my face. Thank you. Come again. Hello, (laughs) sit on my face. (laughs) That's basically how it went. It was great. Anything else that uh, we have that we want to talk about before we dive right in?
2: Uh, So later in the year, we do have the escape to the tropics that we're doing. I
1: miss miss one week and suddenly I don't know how to do (laughs) this anymore.
2: We're going up to Queensland with exclusively RHP. We're doing a resort takeover up there and there are a handful of rooms left not many so if you're interested let us know or go to rhp and look at the events page yep. and find it message and then you'll get all the details
1: that's right or you can email us the atomsoflove at gmail.com and uh, we will you know start sending you the information about it to see if you really do want to go
2: yeah it really it's going to be so much fun and the the crew that's assembling already is it's going to be fun yeah i'm excited I cannot 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 wait in queensland i mean come on in november it's a great great time of year yeah
1: Yay, gonna be fun. Let's jump right in. I literally have no idea how long this is gonna take. Okay, well, let's do it. So this could be one of those podcasts that's over in like 15 minutes, or it could be (laughs) one of those ones that, you know, two hours later, you're going, you know, I have to listen to this whole goddamn thing (laughs) to edit it. Uh Uh, Yeah, so who out there has heard of the Myers-Briggs test?
2: I'm gonna guess most people. Me too. Although, saying that, Is it as much of a thing for millennials and people younger growing up? Because it was a big thing when I was growing up. It was a big thing when I was starting work. Yeah. Like all of our workplaces, we would have to take Meyer Briggs tests. They would do team building things where you would take them. And I know that that still happens some, but is it as big of a thing for the younger generations as it was for us?
1: And that's a great question. Look, um, we, the, we
2: didn't do our homework. We didn't ask young people, so we don't know.
1: We didn't. Uh, we did ask our Discord group, which includes all of us oldsters and a lot of youngsters. That's
2: true. They're so awesome. there's
1: a wide age range on our Discord chat and we got a lot of, uh, of folks saying what they were. Yeah. So they either went out and took the test or they knew. For our generation, the Gen Xers, we basically all of us knew what we were from a very young age. So it was originally developed by two Americans, Catherine Cook Briggs and Isabel Briggs Myers. And they started their research in the personality in 1917, blah, 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 blah. First publication 23, 1923. Look, oh, good. I
2: thought you meant 2023.
1: Yes, 2023. Yeah. I mean,
2: people listening to this in the future are going to be like, oh, yeah, that's plausible. Yeah. Right now it's not.
1: <laughs> that ain't real. Uh, look, so we're going to say we're not psychologists. And there are a lot of problems with Myers-Briggs, including confirmation bias and things like that, where you, some people have compared Myers-Briggs to the horoscopes, right? You read what you want or you see something and you're like, oh, that's a positive trait and it's positive about me. One of the things I do like about the Myers-Briggs tests is that they have negatives as well. Mm -hmm. They look at the negatives as well. Now, some of the negatives aren't terribly negative, but, you know, it's not, it's fun to play with. Yeah. And and that's the way I look at this, is if you get something out of it that makes you a better person, then yay. If you don't, well, look at it purely as entertainment. You don't watch the movie Titanic by <laughs> James Cameron and assume that you understand the, all the intricacies of the title ship. Fair enough. Quick overview on Myers-Briggs, if you don't know about it, is it basically categorizes us all. <laughs> it puts us into our little boxes where we need to be.
2: How many little boxes are possible? 16. Okay.
1: And it's based into things that uh, you're asked a question like, I feel really strongly about this or less strongly or, you know, etc., cetera, et cetera.
2: So out of all the people in the world, if everybody were to take it, would we be evenly distributed amongst the 16 boxes or are there some that are more common than others?
1: That's a wonderful question. And I encourage our listeners at home to do the research that <laughs> damn selves. <laughs> damn it, Angela. <laughs> um, look, realistically, it's not an even distribution amongst people. Uh, it's it's just not. I
2: mean, most things aren't, right?
1: Right. So so we've got these 16 categories, which is then broken down into four, basically this or that's. The first one is extroversion or introversion. And so for extroverts, they mean this as outward turning, people who tend to be outward action-oriented, enjoy more frequent social interactions, and feel energized after spending time with other people, whereas introverts are inward turning. So they tend to be more thought oriented, enjoy deep and meaningful social interactions, and feel recharged after spending time alone. Mm-hmm. So that's the, the E versus the I. Next up, we have sensing versus intuition. And People who are sensing tend to pay a great deal of attention to reality, particularly to what they can learn from their own senses. They focus on facts, details, and getting hands-on experience. Whereas people who are more intuition pay more attention to things like patterns and impressions. They enjoy thinking about possibilities, uh, imagining the future, and abstract theories. Are you guessing where where we lie? <laughs> uh
2: If only we could pause and get like feedback to see what people. I know. I'd love to know. (laughs) Um,
1: And those are S and N, sensing and intuition. Then we have thinking or feeling. So this is how people deal with make decisions based on information. So people who prefer thinking are, are place, a greater emphasis on facts and objective data. They tend to be consistent, logical and impersonal when weighing a decision. Whereas people who prefer feeling are more likely to consider people and emotions and when arriving at a conclusion or decision. Mm -hmm. So that's T or F, thinking or feeling. Uh, And then lastly, we have judging and perceiving. So this is people who lean towards judging prefer structure and firm decisions. People who lean towards perceiving are more open, flexible and adaptable. So it's important to remember that all people at least spend some time engaged in extroverted activities, even if they're introverts. Sometimes they're forced to do extroverted activities. And the judging perceiving scale helps describe whether you behave like an extrovert when you're taking on new information, sensing and intuiting, or when you're making decisions, thinking and feeling. So again, you might see some of yourself. And ultimately, I want to focus on just Angela's and myself, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to talk about real quick. The 16 archetypes. And if you're a Dungeons and Dragons player or any kind of RPG, or you may love this. I loved this, going through this.
2: I actually really enjoyed seeing this. Yeah. yeah. So,
1: Angela, what are you? You're a... ENTJ. ENTJ. So, that would be someone who's an extroverted, based in intuition, thinking, and judging. Whereas I am an ENFP, extroverted, intuition, feeling, and perceiving. I'm going to jump around. So, the... E-N-T-J.
2: Me, for everyone out there.
1: The E-N-T-J is the commander. Yes. As a personality type. Whereas the E-N-F-P is the campaigner. So I'm going to go through... Is
2: anybody out there surprised? I don't think so.
1: I'm going to go through and talk about or just basically say what the four letter code is and then what you are. You can look it up at home or pause it. Go take the test right now. If you want to do that, uh, if you Google 16 personalities, it's www.16personalities.com. It's a free test. Hit a big bubble in the top right. says take the test. It's free. And then you can follow along at home. So ISTJ, the inspector. ISTP, the crafter. Mm. ISFJ. The protector.
2: Okay.
1: ISFP, the artist. INFJ, the advocate. INFP, the mediator. INTJ, the architect. INTP, the thinker. ESTP, the persuader. ESTJ, the director. ESFP, the performer. ESFJ, the caregiver, ENFP, the champion. Although, again, when I found it, it was the campaigner, but I also like champion. ENFJ, the giver, ENTP, the debater, ENTJ, the commander. Dun, dun, dun.
2: I mean, all of those sound good. I think we need all of them in life. I concur.
1: I'm going to read from 16personalities.com some of the romantic relationships information Oh my god! for each of us.
2: Is this going to be good, bad, funny? We're going to find out.
1: We're going to find out because I read <laughs> mine. I haven't read yours.
2: Awesome. Cannot wait.
1: We'll start with Angela. The Commander. <clears throat>
2: As in other
1: areas of lives, commanders approach dating and relationships with a set of goals and a plan to achieve them and proceed to do so with impressive energy and enthusiasm. People with the commander personality type are in it to win and will gladly take leading roles in relationships from the start. Assuming personal responsibility for how smoothly things go and working actively to ensure a mutually rewarding experience, romantic relationships are a serious business and commanders are in it for the long haul.
2: Yeah, serious business.
1: Uh, so I, no joking allowed. I read that and like, look, some of it is clearly you. Some of it's not like you were not in it for the long haul to begin with. You are now.
2: No, but that was also part of my goal was I didn't want to be in it for the long haul. Oh my God. What if your goal (laughs) contradicts like what it says you're supposed to be doing?
1: I love it. Uh, but look, taking the lead, I think is something that is clearly you.
2: Yeah, I often do. Uh,
1: Once again, I'm, I'm imagining you at OSS, you know, taking your clothes off and going, okay, folks, we're going upstairs. And much like the, the what's his name, the Pied Piper of Hamlin. Yeah. you bring the people along.
2: Yeah. It's great. Yeah. we got to do this naked thing. Get the party started. And also, if you think about like taking the lead and like that kind of thing, even when we started hooking up and when we started dating and, and going through our relationship, I think it was a bit mutual, but it was also very, especially at the very beginning, it was driven by me more so than you.
1: Agreed. And this next line is sort of d- describes it, I think, beautifully. Okay.
2: okay. Commander
1: personalities keep their eye on the long term. And if they determine that a relationship is heading towards a dead end, they will cut their losses and move on in what will seem to their partner an abrupt end to the attention they have been receiving.
2: No, that's like my first two marriages.
1: Exactly right.
2: And it was also, if you recall, back to when we started to get serious. So we've been hooking up for a number of months and starting to get a bit more serious and, you know, definitely more friends and getting along and spending the nights and things like that. And you were a social smoker and I had decided because my previous partner, one of my previous partners was a smoker and I had decided that it's not something I wanted in my life. I didn't want a permanent partner who was a smoker. It just wasn't something that was on the cards for me. And because you did smoke socially, which wasn't as much, but still, once we started to get serious, I basically told you that if we were going to be serious, if we were going to continue this, that you needed to give up smoking or we were going to break up.
1: It's true. And it was really unfair because it was like you were standing naked in a doorway, backlit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was just, that's unfair. So I I stopped smoking.
2: But it was, (laughs) I I knew that if this was going to be a long-term thing, I didn't want that as a long-term thing. So a decision had to be made and you made the right decision.
1: (laughs) Thanks, babe. (laughs) Which which leads into the next sentence. The occasional ruthlessness with personal (laughs) relationships is Commander's primary weakness. And if they aren't careful, they can develop quite the reputation. Sensing others' feelings and emotions will never be a comfortable skill for commanders. Mm. But it is critical that they work consciously to develop it, both for their partner's sake and for their own healthy emotional expression. If they don't, they risk dominating and overruling their partners. And this insensitivity can easily break up a relationship, especially early on.
2: I would agree. And I will say that while I'm nowhere near perfect and have lots and lots of room to grow. I am better than I was at this.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're like a, like a million miles higher like, than where you were when we first started dating, and you were great then.
2: Yeah, I, I've tried. I've I've actually made an effort at this because I know it's not a strong suit of mine, but I also know that it's an important skill in life, both personal relationships, professional, all relationships, really. So it is something that I've actively tried to work on, and I, and I know I still have miles to go, but...
1: I just love Better. this. This again goes back to the, how this is accurate. One of the lines in the one of the next paragraphs is commanders are extremely growth oriented and will seize any <laughs> opportunity to improve themselves listening to and acting on criticisms. It's true. Very true. It's just great. I love it. Yeah. So talking about commanders and loving boldly, people with the commander personality type will continue to impress with their creativity and their energy. Very true. Their authentic confidence makes commanders' sex lives dynamic, to say the least. And they often push to explore new ways to express their affection with imaginative enthusiasm. I think you need that on a shirt. <laughs> 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 I push to explore new ways to express my affection with imaginative enthusiasm.
2: Yeah. I mean, you gotta, right? I mean, I guess you don't gotta, but it's more fun. I love it. Oh, I know. I love it. Let's have fun with this. We're only here once. Might as well enjoy it. Do weird shit. Do kinky stuff. (laughs) Do weird shit. Do quirky things. (laughs) Whatever.
1: As with most things, balance is key and commanders should strive to meet their partners halfway, whatever their needs, be it through honest criticism or steady emotional support and praise. How
2: do you think I do at that? I think you're pretty damn good. Again, Uh, I think I'm better. I will say that you occasionally
1: give me honest criticism when I don't necessarily ask for it, (laughs)
2: Uh,
1: maybe, (laughs) and give me steady emotional support when I always need it. But, you know, it's yeah. okay.
2: I, I will say that I think that's something that over time and maybe as I've aged and as I've gone through relationships, that, that these are things that I am very much aware of in my personality type. And so I do try to actually better them yeah whereas you know when i was younger it was just like oh yeah that's just the way it is whatever kind of thing and and i think that's just an age thing a time thing kind of looking at relationships and saying okay what's going on and you know is it me and yeah sometimes it is <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's, it's true i mean that's the same i, I try to do i, mean, I
2: think same. that happens for everybody right
1: so real quick i like this line commanders are best match with other intuitive types, with one or two opposing traits to create more balance in their relationship, which is great because you're EN something something and I am ENFP.
2: ENTJ, yeah, our last two are different. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So yeah, I think that's... uh,
2: See, we're balanced. Look at us,
1: we're balancing. Yeah. So, to the campaigner.
2: Uh Uh-huh. Me.
1: No. I love the opening line. It's hard to overstate just how much campaigners, ENFPs, care about love. <laughs> this is a passionate, warm, open-hearted personality type. One that brims with hopes and dreams, ideas and experiences. And campaigners can bring every ounce of this vibrant energy to the romantic relationships.
2: Ooh.
1: Uh, for campaigners, romantic relationships are beautiful and exhilarating. An opportunity for two or more souls not only to explore the world together, but also to connect on the deepest of levels mm. campaigners harbor a deep longing to share their lives with another person, which I will agree with that mm-hmm. as a result, these personalities may feel a bit empty or uninspired when they're single. While their dedication to relationships is admirable, campaigners may need to guard against investing too much of their sense of self into the relationship status. Dum dump, dum. Do you see
2: that as a problem for yourself? Look,
1: no, not as much as I used to, because you drew such strong lines in the sand a long time ago. So I think because from the beginning, you being the, the commander, you made it very clear that you had your stuff, I had my stuff, and we had our stuff. And so I needed that to sort of make sure that like, oh, cool. Yeah, you've got your thing. I'll do my thing. And it's okay for us to do those individual things.
2: Yeah, that, that we can have separate interests, that we can have time apart, different things that we're working on, that not everything has to be completely shared and joined, which right. I think is only healthy because we are different people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But
2: a lot of people do get wrapped up in that in relationships, and they think that the other person has to be their entire world. They have to do everything together, and then you kind of lose your sense of self. Yeah. And that's not good.
1: Very true. When campaigners are interested in someone, they rarely hold back. People with this personality type tend to fall in love easily, and they fall hard. Campaigners shower their new flame with affection, trusting that the devotion and passion they feel is real.
2: I will agree with that.
1: Does that sound like me? Yes, that does
2: sound like me. Yeah, yeah. Because you, I mean, you've done that with me. You've done that with... The gentleman with other partners, you know, once you're like, okay, I like this person. I really want this to go somewhere. Then you really focus on that. And you're like, yeah. And you, you make an effort and, and you're there, you're all in. And it's like, what do I need to do? And you do it.
1: Yeah. Sometimes then I get bored. Then <laughs> if you can make it through the boredom session, if you can make it through the boredom phase, you become permanent like Angela, the gentleman and Leo, <laughs> then you can't get rid of me. Yeah. Optimist at heart. Campaigners are undaunted by the practical challenges and inconveniences of new partnership. This might explain why they generally don't shy away from long-distance relationships. In their mind, physical distance is no match for the power of true love.
2: How romantic. Aww.
1: Campaigners sink into their joys of a new relationship's honeymoon stage, constantly looking for ways to prove their dedication and delight to their partner.
2: Like the Limerence face. That's me. Yeah.
1: For better or worse, not everyone can match this personality type's ardor and intensity. Some people just need more space, <laughs> whether physical, emotional, or both. And yeah, I get that t- totally.
2: Have you ever had partners that said that to you that were just like, "You're too full on. We need. I need some space from you." Not it's too much. No, yeah. but
1: I think that it's been very clear that that's that no one's actually said that to me, mm. but it's been very clear that it was okay. said. Implied. Yeah. So then I like this as well. When the flames of romance start to flicker or wane, as happens in nearly every long-term relationship, campaigners might worry that their devotion has been misplaced and the match isn't meant to be after all. And it's really funny because I even see that with us. If we go through a period of time that's a lull, I start to really think like, oh, well... I should have done better. I should have tried harder. I should have been more this, and it's it's such a funny thing how our brains are. But yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. But then we get through it, and then it's it's all true. Good. It's true. Yeah, I mean, all relationships have their ups and downs, and times that you're in sync, and times that you're out of sync. It's just recognizing that, and then not always giving up when you're out of sync. I mean, there's there's out of sync when you're truly the, there's actually a problem, and yeah, you probably should, but. There's just normal out of sync that happens. And it's like, just just work to get back to in sync and get back to where it's a good thing. And, and then you're good again. Yeah, But don't give up in that meantime. It's very true.
1: I think this kind of sums it up really well. Campaigners know that lasting love takes effort and commitment, but they may become alarmed when the work of being in a relationship starts to feel like, well, work. Mm. And for me, I would have replaced alarmed with bored. That's my biggest problem is as soon as it becomes work, I'm always like, Ugh. Well, let's find something different.
2: Well, that was fun. <laughs> yeah. Time to move on.
1: <laughs> Isn't that horrible? And I know that about myself, so that's good. And Yeah. And yeah, I just I know that I do that and it's it's bad.
2: So when you get bored in a relationship, what do you do? And is it different for like say personal relationships, work relationships?
1: With um terrible with work relationships. If I get bored with a work relationship, I just sort of let it wane. Mm-hmm. If it's not constantly doing something, mm-hmm. I'm I'm like Well, oh, well, find a new one. Yeah. Then with personal relationships, if I get bored, I try to keep novelty or I try to keep the communication up. Mm. And if I'm communicating, that means I'm at least interested in some way, right? So if the person I'm talking to is doing the same thing I'm doing, it becomes a problem. Because if I'm bored and they appear to be bored, then why are we even here? Yeah, yeah. Whereas – What's beneficial with the two of us is I'm really good at the beginning, developing relationships. You're really good at maintaining the relationships, which we've talked about on the podcast before. And so I can start the fire. And as soon as I get bored with it, you've picked it up and started doing things with it. Yeah. And then it becomes interesting again to me at some point And then it becomes more permanent.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. It's really weird. Yeah.
1: But I know that's how my brain works.
2: But that's also why we work well together. And especially when we're looking at you know the, the, the swinging world and, and meeting other people and bringing other people into the fold.
1: Yeah. This one is 100% me.
2: Oh, God. I'm curious.
1: In settled relationships, campaigner personalities may find themselves longing for the days when they and their partner were more focused on candlelit dinners than who was going to empty the dishwasher. <laughs> 100% me. For campaigners, such issues can seem painfully unromantic. But unless these types take on their share of the responsibilities and help keep things running smoothly, they may actually amplify any stress and resentment in the relationship.
2: I think we do okay with that. I think I hope so. I think we we have a pretty balanced.
1: I feel like you do more work than I do, but
2: uh, but it's a different kind of work, right? Like I think we have a pretty balanced way of approaching the monotonous tasks of life and households and things like that. And and I don't really feel like that. I mean, I can say 100% that that's never a point of contention for us.
1: No, that's very true. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, I would say that every other relationship that I've had, that's been a point of contention. And it hasn't been with us, which is so lovely. (laughs) (laughs) I really wish more people had it that way. Uh, And I hope a lot of you out there do.
1: Me too. Me too. So fortunately, campaigners can find ways to balance their spontaneous, passionate nature with the stability and consistency that long-term relationships require. With their trademark sensitivity and goodwill, these personalities can transform even the most mundane tasks into creative, heartfelt expressions of love. Jaw.
2: Aww, how sweet.
1: Let's take a quick break, and then we will come back and talk about the effects that our personality types reveal, what they reveal about our sex lives.
0: Ooh.
1: Hey. Yeah, I'm back. What are you doing? Mm, You surfing the web, eh? Listening to a podcast, looking at websites on your phone. Hopefully not driving at the same time, because that's ridiculous. It's dangerous. Don't do that. Anyway, while you're surfing, why don't you go to adamandeve.com? They have all you need for all your sexy, sexy things. They have, like, the the toys, and they have toys for him, toys for her, toys for both of you, toys that it doesn't matter who you are. They've got something that you might want to play with or dress up in. Lovely lingerie for doesn't matter your gender. When you go to adamandeve.com, use checkout code BYTHEBYE. That's B-Y-T-H-E-B-I. And when you do, you'll get an item at 50% off. Not only that, you'll get... Everything in your package sent absolutely free. That's right. No shipping. You'll also get videos on demand and some extra stuff thrown in your box so that you can play with it. It's going to be great. Go to adamandeve.com. Use checkout code BYTHEBYE. That's B Y T H E B I. And uh, tag us on Instagram. Show us what you bought. Tag us on Twitter. Send us a message on Facebook. Email us. Smoke signals. Or maybe just drive by our house and say... Yo, by the bye, we bought a giant vibrating dildo. Okay, maybe don't do that because the neighbors would be like, can, can you stop those people? They keep doing that.
2: I mean, I mean, they might be interested in it.
1: I'm trying to be sexy over here.
2: <laughs> Damn it. We might have some kinky neighbors. <laughs> never know.
1: Angela. Man, I'm doing my radio voice. <laughs> AdamandEve.com. By the bye. By the bye. Okay. So, what your Myers-Briggs personality type reveals about your sex life.
2: Well, that's what we all care about. I mean,
1: that's all that really matters, I mean, relationships right?
2: Relationships are one thing, but come on, sex is sex.
1: This was an article from the observer.com from 2018, December 2018, when apparently news was really slow. Because COVID hadn't happened yet. <laughs> and there was nothing else they could talk about. So they are like, hey, what if we did an article called What Your Myers-Briggs Personality Type Reveals About Your Sex Life?
2: Cool. And?
1: So appetite for adventure. Percentage who are sexually adventurous. The highest percentage at 84%. ENTJ, the commander. <laughs> Fucking shocker. Yes. Still in the top half, but near the bottom of the top half is ENFP, the campaigner, at 71%. Interestingly, the lowest, I will say the lowest and highest, if they're not us, the lowest is ISFJ, the defender, at 63%. So I still think 63% is pretty, that's pretty high.
2: Yeah, that's pretty high, I would say.
1: So, yeah. And because of this, this is based around the left-hand side of this list are all the E's. And that's because this says extroverts are 10% more adventurous in bed than introverts. Having met many people who claim to be introverts Mm -hmm. and had sex with them, I'm going to disagree with that. I don't know. I don't feel like I have sex with more extroverts than I do introverts. I feel like my sex is equal.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure that I could ever quantify that. However, just as a side note, I did find the gentleman's from when he took it
1: oh good what is he
2: he's the debater ENTP
1: he is an he is a master debater <laughs> ENTP on this list is a 74% okay so he is literally halfway between you and me i love it oh he's a good boy ENFP me that's mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. <laughs> most willing to experiment with the same gender hmm shocker welcome to the podcast <laughs> ENFPs are known for being curious, adventurous, and open-minded, and these traits translate to the bedroom. Of all 16 personality types, ENFPs ranked as the most willing to get down and dirty with a member of the same sex. Whether it's a lasting orientation or a one-night stand, ENFPs are the most likely to indulge any sense of curiosity that they feel towards members of their own gender.
2: Yeah, shocker.
1: It's so funny. I just think that's so great. So, what the gentleman is the ENTP? ENTP. <laughs>
2: oh, God, what does it say?
1: Most willing to try anal sex. anal sex. Anal sex. ENTPs are naturally attracted to the unconventional and taboo. So, it's no surprise that their sexual preferences follow suit. This type tops the charts for the most willing to try anal sex for interested partners. They may want to turn their attention to ENTJ and ESTP personality types who ranked second or third, well, I guess, and third on this variable respectively.
2: Well, I mean, admittedly, he's very adventurous and will try just about anything, period. (laughs) He's just
1: a boy who can't say no.
2: That's why he's experimental.
1: All right, so let's jump to the commander. ENTJ. I'm gonna scroll during my lit through my list. Through my list. <laughs> okay, so yeah. ENTJ. Most willing to use sex toys, role play, and participate in bondage. Does that sound like you? That doesn't sound like you. <laughs> in typical ENTJ fashion. This type seemed willing to try almost anything once. Coming in as the top contender for using sex toys, role play, and bondage, you certainly can't call the ENTJ type vanilla.
2: We we do have a lot of toys.
1: This personality type also ranked highest on overall appetite for adventure and second highest for most sexual satisfaction. It's no wonder EL James that fucking gun wrote the infamous character of Christian Grey as an ENTJ personality. Oh, look, you're Christian
2: Grey. Oh, no, no I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but also it kind of makes sense like the sexual satisfaction part because we're we're probably much more likely to advocate for ourselves and for what we want.
1: True, uh, fair enough. Yeah. Okay, fair enough.
2: So I will be satisfied. <laughs>
1: <laughs> as God is my witness. <laughs> So rather than reading through all the rest of them, I'll give the header so that everybody out at home who knows what they are can Mm -hmm. see what they are. Once again, ENFP, most willing to experiment with the same gender. INFP, most difficult to satisfy in bed.
2: Oh, you all, I'm sorry. Try harder. Like, we'll try harder.
1: ENFJ, this is kind of sad because we're just the second most willing to use toys. (laughs) You don't... God love y'all. Y'all don't top anything. S- silver metal. <laughs> you can't even top yourself. <laughs> However, the INFJs masturbate the least often. Oh. ESFP, least willing to experiment with the same gender. ISFP, second most likely to be mistaken about their sexual preferences. Second most likely to be mistaken about Hard. their sexual preferences.
2: Oh, that's a weird one.
1: I love this. I know what I like. No, you don't. Oh, you're right. (laughs) Weird, but okay. Right. ESFJ. Least willing to have a threesome.
2: I feel like some of these are really reaching for something.
1: Although, arguably, I love that ours were at least pretty uh, fucking spot on. ISFJ. Least adventurous in bed. ESTP. Most likely to enjoy 69.
2: Um, where do we find those people? <laughs> Arguably.
1: I, I will argue that I am very close to that. <laughs> ISTP. Most likely to try a threesome. ESTJ. Highest frequency of sexual activity. ISTJ. Least likely to vocalize what they want in bed. ENTP. Most willing to try anal sex. INTP, lowest number of sexual partners. Hmm. And then ENTJ was the most willing to try, use sex toys, role mm-hmm. play, yada, yada, yada. INTJ, favorite position is doggy style. <laughs> I mean, I'm, my favorite position is doggy style. I don't brag about it. <laughs> so when we look at sexual satisfaction, ESTJ, the executive, is the highest at 81%. You are ENTJ, the Mm -hmm. commander, second highest, 80%. The gentleman, ENTP, the debater, 63%. And me, the campaigner, ENFP, 72%.
2: Oh, pretty high. All right. I'm okay with this. This says
1: extroverts are 11% more likely to be satisfied in bed than introverts.
2: Hmm. Eh. Well, maybe because they're more willing to ask for what they want.
1: Okay, fair enough. I can accept that.
2: I mean, possibly.
1: So now we're just going to go through this really quickly and say what the top one is, because we don't care. what It gives the top fives, but these are the personalities most willing to try. A threesome. Most willing? ISTP, the virtuoso. Try anal sex. ENTP, the debater. Try bondage. ENTJ, the commander. The debater is a close second. (laughs) Engage with someone of the same gender. ENFP the campaigner. Try role-playing, ENTJ, the commander. So that is your Myers-Briggs, what it says about your sex life.
2: So did, have you changed over time? Do you know what you were when you were younger?
1: I was always E N. I think that I used to be ENTP. Mm-hmm which is the debater. Mm -hmm. And I think that as an adult, I've gone less towards down the thinking and more down the feeling path. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. That's
2: interesting because when I took this for this, I had taken it in my early twenties and I was exactly the same. And like, when you look at where you are on the scales, I'm almost in the exact same spot. Interesting, which is interesting because I would have thought that most people would change over time, at least a little bit, you know, to to go slightly different. But no, I wasn't. I was just curious what you did.
1: Yeah, I I did. I have changed as as time has Mm. passed, but not a lot. So I've got one more website here that is each Myers-Briggs type in bed. This is personalitygrowth.com. What each personality type is like in bed.
2: Let's see if we are
1: ENTJ, the magnetic lover. Your natural aggression is something that translates very well into the bedroom. You're willing to take charge and know how to keep a healthy balance. You have a very creative and intuitive way of making sex interesting for both you and your partner. You don't want things to become too boring, but with you, that is unlikely to ever happen. You may have a tendency to schedule sexual encounters, but make up for it in your ability to keep things fresh. You take your partner on a vigorous and imaginative lovemaking journey, which they will never forget.
2: Yeah, you remember when we did episode three hundred and three hundred one, and Mister H said he could still like feel how I do my blowjobs. <laughs>
1: that is correct. I do remember that. I love that you brought that up. <laughs> I will say. Of all the blowjobs that I have had in my sexy life, my favorite ones come from you.
2: Well, I'm glad because you got a lot more of them to get.
1: Yay! (laughs) Yeah, it is. uh, You are quite talented in the oral region. Well, thank you. Okay, so now ENFP. I am the fervent lover. I don't really know what that means. You require an emotional connection to be able to be fully intimate with someone. Once you have established a connection, you are a very enthusiastic and passionate lover. You have a very high sex drive and see it as an opportunity to express yourself fully to someone. You enjoy being able to explore new sides of yourself and don't like to set restrictions in the bedroom. You probably have heard you were the best your lover's ever had, and it doesn't come as a surprise to you. Wait, sorry. No, it doesn't come as a surprise to us. Man, I'm putting words in there. Your creativity and passion in your daily life translates very well into the bedroom. It's not so bad. I'm just the best you ever had. Accurate. Oh, (laughs) that's great. Cannot disagree. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I try. (laughs) I try. Yeah, so uh, that one was another one that I thought was interesting. That's great. And I'm not going to read through the rest of it, but if you wish, you should.
2: Do you want to hear what some of the Discord people were? Yeah. Because, of course, we posted this on Discord, and so a bunch of people went on and took the test. So just some examples as we scroll through here. We- you say
1: them, and I will remind the listening audience what their archetype is. Okay,
2: and there's going to be some duplicates and things. That's fine. Uh, so ENFP... That's you also. I mean, this wasn't you. This was somebody else who's the same type as you.
1: The champion, or as we like to call ourselves, awesome.
2: (laughs) Uh, ISFP.
1: That's the artiste. ISFP. Again, the artist. INTJ. The architect. INTP. The thinker. ISTP. The crafter. ENTJ. The commander. That's you.
2: Yeah. Uh, uh, Who was that? Oh. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I can see that. Uh, we have ISFJ,
1: the protector. INTP, the thinker again. INFJ, the advocate.
2: Uh, somebody who's right on the line of ENFP and INFP, like fifty-one percent, forty-nine percent.
1: So you're half a champion, <laughs> and the other half of you is the mediator.
2: Okay, ENTP,
1: the debater once again, the gentle. Yeah, ENFJ. the giver.
2: ENTP, another debater. We have a lot of debaters here. Master debaters. Yeah. Look at y'all. INTJ, we've
1: the architect again.
2: Uh huh. Uh swirling down. I think we're getting near the end. Oh, INFJ. There's another one.
1: The, the advocate.
2: Yeah, ENFJ.
1: That is the giver.
2: All right, we've got a pretty good variety here. Yeah, a lot of variety. It's I like it. Yeah. It's nice. Variety is a spice of life. I love it. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So, going back to the very beginning, oh. when I was asking about... Uh, distribution. Distribution of personality types. And again, I don't know how, you know, what population they're looking at to determine these, but we'll just go with it. Uh, so, as far as the eight individual personality, I guess, groupings. Mm-hmm. So, extroverted is 49.3% of people. Introverted is 507 Okay. It's about half and half. Yeah, yeah. Almost evenly split. Yep. Sensing... Is 73.3 and intuition is 26.7. Oh, wow. So I'm in the majority.
1: Both of us are in the minority.
2: Mm-hmm. Thinking is 40.2. Feeling is 59.8.
1: It back into the majority. So,
2: yeah. But close to, you know, near yeah. Half. Uh, judging is 54.1 and perceiving is 45.9%. So it's interesting that they're all in the 40s and 50s. So, you know, generally half and half, let's say ish, except for the sensing and intuition population wise, there's a bit more difference there. I wonder why. Yeah. I don't know why that is. If that's a learned thing, if that's a just a like, is it nurture versus nature? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Dunno.
2: So then I also found a how rare is your personality type?
1: Oh, cool. I love it.
2: Okay. So we're going to start with the most common frequency and population. ISFJ at 13.8%.
1: 13 is the most common?
2: 13.8. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, there's 16 of them, right?
1: Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Now, what was that IS?
2: ISFJ.
1: So I that's the protector.
2: Mm, a lot of protectors out there. Yeah. And it won't come as a surprise that like basically the top of the list is all the S, the sensing ones that were 70 some percent of the population. Fair enough. And then the Ns tend to be down towards the bottom. Uh, the next one is ESFJ at 12.3%.
1: That is the caregiver
2: protectors and caregivers. And then ISTJ at 11.6%.
1: The inspector.
2: Okay. And then we've got four of them that are all in the 8 to 9% range. We've got ISFP at
1: 8.8. The artist.
2: ESTJ at 8.7. The director. ESFP at 8.5. The performer. And ENFP at 8.1. The Bradford. <laughs> the Bradford special. <laughs> The campaigner Whatever (laughs) So I think it's interesting that the top ones There's three that are pretty close Then there's four that are pretty close Uh And then we get I would say another three that are close-ish And then we kind of get down Uh, So the next one is ISTP at 5.4% The crafter INFP at 4.4%
1: The mediator
2: And then ESTP at 4.3%
1: The persuader
2: Okay and then we're dropping down into the one, twos, and three percents. Oh, wow. So getting way down there. Yeah. So really the ones that were like at 12 and 13 mean, percent, that's a yeah, pretty significant, relatively, percent of the population. All right. So the next one is INTP at 3.3 percent. The thinker. All right. You-
1: I would believe that the number of thinkers out there are lower <laughs> than, than the rest of them. Than
2: the number of protectors. Yeah. and Yeah. <laughs> ENTP at 3.2.
1: The debater or the gentleman's.
2: Uh-huh. ENFJ at 2.5 percent. The Giver. INTJ at
1: 2.1%. The Architect.
2: ENTJ at
1: 1.8%. The Commander.
2: Or me. And then IN...
1: The, ad- yeah, or the yeah, the Commander, sorry. Or the Angela.
2: The Angela. Yeah. <laughs> uh, INFJ at 1.5%.
1: The Advocate.
2: So I'm almost the most rare.
1: Wow. Aw, I got one of the most rare ones. Collect them all. <laughs> You're like my Pokemon.
2: But it is interesting... Again, because you think like thirteen point eight percent is the highest one, and that's yeah. not a lot of the population. But then you look at how it's distributed, and yeah. it's just really fascinating. Again, it's not surprising that most of the S's are at the top, given the percentage, and right. most of the N's are towards the bottom. Yeah, but yeah, I I do find it really interesting that I knew that there would be a spread, but I didn't think it'd be as as few down in that one to three percent as almost as there were, you know, up in the twelve to thirteen.
1: Yeah, that's surprising. Mm. Cool. Well, there you go.
2: Yeah. So it is not evenly distributed in the population. Not at all. It is quite skewed.
1: Yes. (laughs) It's funny. Mine was 8%, huh? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So for every eight of me, one of me, there's, uh, for every one of you, there's eight of me.
2: Basically. Yeah. I'll say for, yeah.
1: Because you were 1%, I was 8%. 1.8. So yeah, almost two. Yeah. Well, there's a bunch of me's out there.
2: Yeah. There's not, lesser of me's out there.
1: Not nearly enough of either and of us. And
2: there's somewhere in between of the gentlemen's.
1: <laughs> I love it. Awesome. So join the conversation. Join us over at Discord. Do that by uh, supporting us on patreon.com slash by the podcast and uh, tell us what your Myers-Briggs results are. Like I said, it's not something that we're saying that you should go out and believe and listen to, but it's fun to chat about it and see like, oh, yeah, this is me or that's not me.
2: Yeah, like anything, it's not going to – not everyone is going to fit into the box nice and neat kind of thing. Yeah. And and, and not everything in the box is going to apply to you. But it's still just a fun little, you know, thing to kind of – oh, ha, ha,
1: laugh. Yeah, I encourage you to color the box and color outside the lines It's because I listen to, like, what you are and you're vastly different than me. Mm -hmm. All of, like, your stuff, it isn't like a horoscope. I couldn't look at it and go, oh, yeah, I can see myself in that. So I wouldn't say it's as bad as horoscopes like some people say, but Mm – I think, yeah, I think it's fun. Yeah. So, yes, go take your test. Remember, it's 16personalities.com. We have no affiliation, but the, the, if you Google it, that's what you come up with. And, uh, yeah, let us know what you get. You can message us on Instagram, on Twitter, and on Facebook. We are at By the By Podcast, Or you can email us, theatomsoflove at gmail.com. As we've said before, join us on Discord. Or you can go to our website, www.bytheby.com.au and click on Contact. And you can submit uh, your messages through there. Yeah. Anything else that we want to wrap up with?
2: Thanks for joining us this week and we will be back next.
1: Yeah. Bye.